sir. Come on, yeah. <laughs> Man. Okay, all right. Y'all gave me two extra seconds. Y'all gave me two extra seconds. Thank you. Now, honored to have everybody in the room today. Thank you so much to all of you here at our Columbia campus, all of us at our online campus today that have taken us on vacation. I love going on vacation, so thank you for bringing me with you. You didn't know I'd be with you. And so, um, no, thank you all so much. We're going to, we just, we're going to take a break, right? We, we did a five-week or four-week binge on Binge the Bible. Um, recently, we walked Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and why we should trust the Bible and why it's relevant and we talked about that. We're going to take a break from that for the rest of the summer. We'll pick it back up around August. And we'll start walking for a few uh, weeks through Binge the Bible again. We're going to start a new series today over the next several weeks called Summer Mixtape. And uh, you'll hear from uh, multiple people about a lot of different things. And uh, man, we were, we're going to go on this concept or this idea of what does it look like to live between Sundays? Live between Sundays. I, I think as believers, if you're a believer in the room, I'm going to make an assumption um, just through what I believe. I think, well, praise God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to preach in the dark today. Um, but that I'm going to make an assumption that, uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought for a second, that we know how to live Sundays. I show up, I pray a prayer, I throw my hands up, Sing the songs, greet some people, hang out, serve, whatever we're going to do. We go home. Here's the problem, though. We don't just live Sunday to Sunday. We live our faith every single day of the week. And so I want to look at what that looks like over the next several weeks. We're going to look at how do you, how do you keep faith during difficulty. That's going to be a week. How, do I, how can I be a faith-filled family? Even if you don't have a family yet, you're a part of a family. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to look at what is self-growth, personal growth look like. There's so much that we're going to look at this week. I'm really excited. And I'm going to open it up with this idea. Now, it's summer mixtape, and so I was like, what is a song that used to be on my mixtapes? Anybody in here remember cassettes? Come on. Yeah. Y'all be surprised how many hands are not up right now. All right. This is blowing my mind. How many of you remember blank CDs, right? You used to get on there, you'd burn the CD, you'd write it on there. If you really liked your girlfriend or boyfriend, you'd make them a CD. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And you'd write on there and go, for my love. With a heart. It's so good. You know, you do all that. One of the, I loved, uh, I grew up, my dad, one of his favorite bands was the Beatles, Right? Old school, and so we listen the Eagles and the Beatles. Man, that was our thing, right? Come on, somebody, yeah, that's good music right there. That's good. Morgan Wallen ain't got nothing on those guys. He's pretty good though. And um, and 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 I just had this song. Like we gonna, I'm gonna title it a song today. So if you're taking notes, you can title it this. Come together, come on, right now, over me. Come on, yeah. See, you got it. Summer mixtape. Now you'll hear the song, which you'll probably never hear the song because they don't play it anymore. But uh, come together. I want to talk about come together. And I, what I really want to talk about is the idea. I just wanted to sing for a minute today. Um, and I'm going to be honest. I don't know how my voice is going to hold up because I preached pretty hard in our first service. And I've worshipped pretty hard. Uh, and I preached hard last night. So just bear with me. But I want to talk about the idea of unity. Unity. 
And not just unity with each other, right? Not just unity with one another. I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about unity within yourself. Because it's real hard to be united with others when you're disjointed with yourself. It's going to be real hard for you and your wife, for you and your husband, to be on the same page when you're not even on the same page with you. It's going to be real hard for you and your kids to get on the same page when you don't even know what page you're on. And I want to talk about the power of unity for a few minutes and what that, what that looks like. Unity within yourself, within your family, within your spiritual life. And I just want to take a few minutes and talk about that. I want to show you what that looks like, though. Um, there, there's, a, there's, there's these draft horses. I'm, I'm not an equestrian guy, okay? Um, but they have these draft horses. And I've been told that they were Belgian draft horses. And I'll be honest, I take that as truth. I don't know if they're Belgian or not. But just, just delight me for a moment, right? But I know they're draft horses. And these draft horses are, are bred to pull heavy loads. And if you see the draft horses... Man, they are massive. I mean, the muscles. The, I want their muscular structure. Like, I am begging for my shoulders to look like theirs. Like, just muscles. You know? Massive. And um, they pull. And you get one draft horse yoked to a weight. And that draft horse can pull up to 8,000 pounds. One horse. That's a lot, y'all. I try to throw up a couple hundred pounds. And it about makes me throw up. So... 8,000, I can't imagine, right? So imagine what happens when you put two draft horses together. How many pounds can they pull? No. Traditional thinking is like one pulls 8,000, two pulls 16,000. No, you're wrong. If you put two of those horses together and yoke them to a load, they can pull up to 24,000 pounds. Three times as much. Not just double. Three times as much. And that's if they've never met each other. If Ed and Fred have never met. And they're just, there's a Mr. Ed reference for you. And if they never met, they don't know each other. This is crazy. If you get a horse that is yoked to the weight, and that horse knows this horse, and they're... And they know... They know... I just like to have fun in church, y'all. I think, I think church and God should be fun. And like, they're talking to each They know each other. How we doing, you know? I'm good. How's the fam, you know? All this stuff. If they've met and they know each other and they've worked together before, they can pull up to 32,000 pounds. Same two horses. Well, not same. Two horses, they, they can pull 8,000 by themselves, but if they know each other, they can pull up to 32,000. Why? I'm glad you asked. It's because they're joined together. They're united. Now, here's my question. How much weight are you trying to pull by yourself, but if you got united within yourself, you could actually pull what your potential says you can. You could actually pull more. Here's why those two horses pull together. And they can pull more three times and four times as much as one can. It's because they pull together. And when one gets ahead, 
the other one goes, nah, I got your back, let me help you. And they catch up, and then that horse will speed up, and they'll just keep doing this over and over and over again. And so they're pulling more weight than they ever could by themselves because the other horse is like, I got you, man. And if they know each other, they go, you already know I got you. And so the other, that one goes, I trust you more. And so it pulls a little harder. And this one goes, I ain't leaving you by yourself. And that pulls, and they go, and they can pull up to 32 thousand pounds. And I want to talk about the idea of unity in this room today because I believe that there's a lot of people in the room that can pull 8,000 pounds, but you're really pulling about 200. And the problem isn't that God doesn't give you opportunity, and the problem isn't that you don't know what to do. The problem is that you're so disjointed within yourself that you can't pull because you're just disjointed and there's potential, but you see the potential as a problem. Come on, y'all leaving me by myself today. And so I want to show you a story in Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 through 10 of it's a vision that God is giving a prophet about the nation of Israel. Now, as we learn in the binge the Bible, the Bible was not written to us, but it was written what? For us. So I don't look at it and go, God, what did you say to me? I look at it and go, God, what do you have for me? And what I know is this vision wasn't to me, but there's things in this vision for me. And so I, I, th I think there's some things we can look at in, in Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 10. I want, I want to read it with you for a moment, and then we're going to jump in, and uh, we're going to take a few minutes and really dissect this. It says this. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he sat me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh Lord God, you know. I love that answer, because when God asks me questions in prayer time, that's going to be my answer now. Oh Lord God, you know. Like, Brandon, do you think you can do this? Oh God, you, you know. You know, because I don't want to give the wrong, wrong answer. There you go. That's for you today. Verse 4. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you so that you may come alive. And you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, on, uh, flesh grew, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. I could preach that one section right there. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now again, this is a vision to a prophet, to the nation of Israel, and he was speaking this to Israel. But I think there's some things in here that we can grab about unity about being disjointed, about being scattered, 
about what all this looks like. Here's the reality is disunity creates chaos. Disunity creates chaos. It's something you have to know right off the beginning. Disunity creates chaos. You don't believe me? Go home and move the toaster from the kitchen and put it on your couch. Some of y'all already have anxiety going through the roof right now, thinking about it. And while you're doing that, go in your kid's room and get their Legos and pour them on the floor in the bathroom instead of their room, right? And then, you know, while you're doing that, put the weed eater in the kitchen. Pull it from the garage, just place it on the table in the kitchen. Y'all are like, no, stop this. This is dry. I can't. Pastor, I can't take this. I wish y'all could see the faces that I see right now. It's, Lord, just help them in the name of Jesus. You're feeling the chaos. Why? Because things are out of place. You know what disunity is, things being out of place. It's things not being joined together the way that they should be. And when life is disjointed, this scripture shows us that there's potential for something to take place. But it doesn't have life in it. It's just scattered. It's just there. There's potential for things to fit together well. But when unity takes place, that's disunity. When unity takes place, align, it, uh, unity aligns our intentions with our actions. Part of the problem in life, in, in, in life is this. We judge ourselves by our intentions and everybody else by their fruits. Here's what I mean. I meant, I didn't mean it that way. That's not what I meant. Have you ever heard this phrase? My wife tells me this, and I have to pray through it to figure it out. Um, that's not true. I know exactly what she means. It's, it's not what you said. It's some of y'all said that with so much conviction in your voice. I worry about you. Um, it's how you said it. Why? Your intention doesn't matter. It's what you did with your intention that matters. That's why you can't just say what you want to say and look at them and go, it's your responsibility to take it the right way. No, you got some responsibility to say it the right way. And so what I mean by that is uh, unity brings my intention and makes my action line up. If I intend to line my life with God, then unity now takes my life and goes, your intention is to live your life for God. Now your life should look like it. Leviticus, what did Leviticus teach us? That living for God looks like something. It costs us something and it looks like something. In other words, it aligns what I intend to do with my life with the actual living of my life. If I intend to love my life well, my wife well, then I will speak to her that way and I will treat her that way. You see what I'm saying? Unity aligns intentions and actions. Disunity creates chaos and frustration because I intend one thing but I do another. And that's the problem with unity and disunity. So let's look at the scripture and see what Ezekiel 37 teaches us today about this. It says in there, it says that the valley was full of bones. And it says that there were very many on the surface of the valley. And it says, and they were very dry. I want you to picture this in your mind with me. You're standing over a cliff, on the edge of a cliff, and you're looking into a valley... 
And when you're looking in the valley, there's bones everywhere. I mean, scattered everywhere. And they're dry. Here's what that means. They've been sitting there for a long time. They're not fresh. It's not bones of like new life. It's bones of old life. It's bones that like they, they're dried out. They're getting brittle. They're sun-baked. All this stuff is taking place. Here's what I want you to know. Some of you, <laughs> here's what this represents. The valley of bones represents potential. Because there's potential for life. But because they're not joined together, there is no life. Because there's nothing that can support because everything's disjointed. Watch this. Some of you have been staring over your potential so long that you go, there's potential for life, but you haven't spoken to your potential. You haven't worked out your potential. You'd rather just stand on the cliff because the cliff allows you to see the potential. You just don't have to sacrifice for it. And there's this moment. Where God looks at Ezekiel and he goes, at some point, that potential's got to have something done with it. It's got to come back together. And we've got to decide, am I going to look at the valley and see potential or am I going to see problems? Because every moment of potential creates another moment of problem. Here's what I mean. If I want to grow in my life in leadership, it's going to cost me something. If I'm, you know, at the rate that our church has grown over the past couple of years, I'm grateful. But I have had to change rapidly the way that I lead, the way that I do, the way that I communicate, the way that I prepare, the content that I'm doing, all this stuff. And it's cost me a lot because I've had to change. And I can either look over the valley and go, I hope one day that becomes something. Or I can look over the valley and I can go, that ain't a problem. That's potential. I'll go through the pain. I'll go through the frustration. I'll learn what I need to learn. I'll do what I need to do. I see potential in that thing. And, and here's the thing. If I'm looking over and I go, I see the potential for generosity over my, bu- over my finances. But I would rather look at the problem of learning how to budget. Well, I don't want to go through that, so I'll just keep doing this. Because if I want to live at another level generously, then that means it's going to cost me something on spending. It's going to cost me something. If I want to treat people better, it means I've probably got to sacrifice some emotions and opinions and learn that my opinions aren't gospel. There's only one gospel. And so it's going to cost me something. There comes a point where when I'm looking over the valley, I got to decide, am I looking at potential or am I looking at problems? Because I'm afraid that there's a lot of people that know they've got potential, but you'd rather stare over the potential than speak to it and watch it come back. And watch it come together because it's going to cause a problem when it starts coming together. Because I'm going to have to love my wife differently. And I'm going to have to manage my time differently. And I'm going to have to budget differently. And I'm going to have to do this differently. And this is going to be a priority instead of this is going to be a priority. And, and here's the reality. When problems become opportunities, something awakens on the inside of you. When problems become opportunity, when I look at it and go, no. These old bones are not just something to stare at. But they can come together and there's something that can come alive in me. There's potential. There's something there. Some, if I'm going to be honest... Some of us in the room have been standing on the cliff for years, staring and going, this could be, and that should be, and my marriage could be this way, and my life should look this way, 
and I should do this, and I could do this, and I wish, and I want, and I this, and I that. And God at some point is going to look at you and go, at some point you got to stop talking about it and to it. And so that's where I want to get right now because he goes, all right, there's the potential. There's the bones. They're disjointed. There's the structure for life. It's there. It's just laying there. But it, it cost Ezekiel something. He said, Ezekiel, you have to do something. What did he tell him to do? Prophesy over the bones. Here's what that means in layman's terms. When you prophesy over the bones, you're speaking God's word over a situation. You, are, you become the mouthpiece for God in that moment. Now, you better make sure that it's what God said. And so he looked at Ezekiel and he said, I want you to speak life over those bones that they are going to come together. And it's not just going to be a valley of potential and a valley of problems, but they're going to come together and that potential is going to be realized and they're going to become something and they're going to come together and then eventually we see them become an exceedingly great army. And here's what happens. Some of us have got to stop staring at the things and start speaking to it. Let me ask you a, problem, uh, a question. When's, have you talked more about your potential and problems? Or to them? Have you talked about them more? Here's what I mean. Well, this is just what's going on in my life. And it's just, you know, this is why I can't. This is why I, I, I should. I can't change my attitude. It's just the way I was born. Or my husband this. And my wife that. My kids this. My finances that. I'll, and we talk to others more about our problems than we actually find what God wants us to stay and speak to our problems. Can I tell you, Proverbs 18.21 gives us a glimpse into the power of our words. And it's this, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now, I'm not saying you have the same power as God in your words because I don't believe any of us are as powerful as God and we're not little gods in this room. There's only one God. But I will tell you that he did put a power in your tongue that when we begin to speak the power of God over something and the word of God over something, life begins to follow. Power begins to follow. Something begins to come together. And I just want to encourage you. I'm not saying don't share your problems. Don't share your potential with people. I'm just saying after you do it, begin to prophesy something over it. And begin to know the scriptures and what God is saying. And begin to go, my, my marriage doesn't have to be this way. No, my life doesn't have to be this way. No, my finances don't have to be. I wish there was somebody in the room that believed that God's word was bigger than your circumstance and your situation. And you. You could see God do something. I wish there was some people in the room that believed what I say about it or to it is more important than what I say about it. And here's the truth. Your words will create a future. You don't believe me? Go home to your kids, your spouse, anybody you're in relationship with, friend, life group leader, anybody, and choose to either talk brash and negative to them for the next two weeks or kind and loving to them for the next two weeks and see the future that you have it'll change your relationship one way or the other you want to fall more in love with your spouse again learn how to speak lovingly you want what let me challenge you you want to fall in love with yourself you want to love who god's created you to be speak lovingly to yourself some of you, the problem isn't that nobody else believes in you. It's that you don't. And the problem is, is that you don't believe that God ever created you for anything. And so you'll never speak anything but negative over yourself. 
And no matter what you accomplish in life, it's never enough. And you can't celebrate with God. And I just need to tell you, your, life, your words create a future. Your words create a future. And I want us to get to a place to where we're prophesying over the bones and we're watching the valley of potential come to life. And we're seeing God do something great in our lives. And then he says this, and I love this. He goes on and the words, he's saying, I'll put muscles and I'll put ligaments and I'll put skin and I'll do all this stuff. And then it says, and he says that I will breathe into them. And I will give them life. And it's really a reminder and an illustration of this idea. You are not strong enough to create life within yourself. You cannot create life out of dead things. We are dead in our sin. You are dead in your sin. I am dead in my sin. When I walk out of a relationship with God and I am walking in sin, you are dead in your sin. You are not strong enough to pull yourself out of it. You are not strong enough to breathe life into yourself. You are not God. You are not the Savior. You are not the Holy Spirit. You are not that. And it is a reminder that there is only one breath that creates life in the structures. I want you to see this. Everything came to life, right? Valley of potential. Ezekiel did what God said. He spoke over it. He spoke God's word over it. Everything came together, and there was the structure for life, but there was no life. Until what? Until God breathed into it. Some of us, you've done a real good job at putting things together. And you've stitched together your marriage, and you've stitched together your finances, and you've stitched together a job, and you've climbed the corporate ladder, and now you're trying to breathe life into yourself, and you have no fulfillment, and you have no breath, and you have no heartbeat, and you have no blood flow, and you're trying to figure out why am I so empty, and why am I so angry, and why am I so jealous, and why am I so insecure, and why am I so frustrated, and it has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that you're trying to breathe life into yourself, and there's only one God that can breathe life, and it is God the Father, and He is the one that breathes life into your dead body it is not me it is not you it is not the internet it is not politics it is not news it is not social media it is nothing and no one else those are all ways you are not the one they are not the one it is only God and when we come to a place to where we go, God, I can't do this alone. I'm going through this, and I'm trying to be life to dead bones. And God, I am not life to dead bones. There's only one God that got up out of the grave when everything said that he was dead and put life back into a dead carcass. There's only one God that raised a dead man named Lazarus from the dead. And there's only one God that can pick up your dead bones out of the valley of sin and breathe life back into it and put you back on the road of eternity in relationship with him. And that is God the Father. That is not you. That is not me. That is him. And it is a great reminder that there is no life outside of God. We can try all we want, but it's not there. And then after all that, they're sitting there and life comes up. And I love the end of the scripture where it says, And they became an exceedingly great army. I love this illustration. I want you to see the progression. He's standing on the side of a cliff, looking over a deep valley, full of bones that are very dry. And then he speaks over them in the vision, and they come to life. And you see the structure of a body come together. Ligaments and muscles and veins and arteries come up. The skin grows on. I know it's weird, but just follow me. And all this is happening. 
and then they're standing there lifeless, and God breathes into them, and there's life that begins to take place. Their eyes open, their chests begin to move, they stand up, they begin to move a little bit, and it says they became an exceedingly great army. Why do you become an exceedingly great army? And it's only for one reason and one reason only, and it's because unity When we begin to walk in unity, and unity takes place, we begin to walk in cooperative power. When unity takes place between us and God, we begin to walk with a power that we never had before. And he begins to fill us with his breath, and his breath called the Holy Spirit. And we begin to walk in a power that we can't have outside of him. And we begin to walk in a power together. Because now, watch this. You've watched God breathe life into your marriage. Or you've watched God breathe life into your finances. Or you've watched God breathe life into your spiritual life. He brought you out of death, hell, and the grave. You've watched God breathe life into your family. You've watched God breathe life into all these things. And you fill in the blank, whatever it is, and all this stuff. And God never intended to breathe life into you to stand alone. See, your healing is so that you can stand with others that have watched God breathe life and go, we are an exceedingly great army. In other words, everything God's done in my life, I need to join with others that he's done things in their life. And now it's time to take ground. Now it's time to move forward. Now it's time to stop declaring potential and start seeing progress. Now it's time to go, you know what? Together we'll worship. Roar, Lion of Judah. Come on, you've done something in my life, God. You've made the valleys high and the mountains low. And we'll worship together because when unity takes place, cooperative power begins to take place. Just like the draft horses. Alone they can pull 8,000. But when they know each other, when they've been through hell and high water together, when they know each other's celebrations and struggles, they can pull up to 32,000. I don't know what the numbers are when you hook a third onto it, but I would bet you would blow our minds. You were never meant to get healed so that you could live life in isolation. You were meant to get healed because there's others. Do you know this is why we do church the way we do it here at Radiate? This is why every Sunday at the end of the message we remind you, grab your invite cards and bring people with you because their freedom may be in an invite card. Your freedom was in an invite from somebody else that cared enough about your eternity to not care about their reputation. My... My, in my eternity, my freedom, was in the, it was in an invitation. It was from my parents who gave me the invitation, and they said, you're going to church. But there came a point where they also said, you get to choose. And I got to go with them, so I went. That's why we do this, because we're not in this thing alone. We're not in this thing in an echo chamber. That's why we do life together through life groups. That's why we serve together. That's why we pray together. That's why we sing together. That's why we worship together. That's why we cry together. That's why we have guys nights. That's why we have beautifully broken. That's why we get together whenever we can. We do all of this because my healing was not meant for an island of isolation. My healing was meant to be a part of an exceedingly great army that's going to stand up and go, I'm no longer potential I am progress and I'm doing something in this life and here's what I know there's people in here today 
You've been staring at a valley, hoping that it comes together, and God's going, now you need to begin to speak to the valley. Speak to your marriage, what God says. Speak to the addiction that you can't break, what God says. Speak to that. Speak to wherever you, that depression and that isolation and that feeling within you. Speak what God says and watch what happens. You'll begin to see things come together that you never thought. And then there's going to be a moment where your test becomes a testimony. And now an exceedingly great army begins to connect you with others. And now you're going to begin bringing other people on the journey. And their freedom is found because you found freedom. And because God's good. So here's what I want to do. I, I, I just want to pray over us. I'm going to do two prayers. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to bow your heads and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What does it sound like when the Holy Spirit speaks? Often it just sounds like this real deep thing on the inside you can't shake. And if you're in the room, number one, and the first thing you need to do to get unity back in your life is to give your life to Jesus and go I can't do this without you I've tried to do this without you but I'm not the Savior and I'm not God and so I need you to show up in my life and save me I need you to forgive me I need you to move with me and I give you my life because I'm not God and if that's you and you've never prayed that prayer I don't want you to leave this room today without doing that. And pray a prayer with me to say, I give you my life, Jesus. I give you all that I have. And then we're going to walk that out with you. And then I'm going to pray over everybody. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, I just want you to pray this with me. And I want to encourage everybody in the room to say this with me. Since we're all family, just, dear Jesus, I give you my life give you all that I am, all that I've ever been, and all that I'll ever be. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to forgive me of my sins and give me relationship with God. I can't do this without you. Thank you for loving me no matter what. Now, with that, eyes closed. If you gave your life to Jesus and you prayed that prayer, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. So if you're in the room and you prayed that prayer and you believe that Jesus is Lord and you've submitted your life, I just want to ask you to do one more thing and then we're going to pray. And you prayed that prayer, I just want to ask you to throw your hand up right where you're at. And just say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer today and I gave my life to Jesus today. And what's going to happen is while your hands are up, hold them up for a while. I'm not calling you up. I'm not calling you out. But we are going to put a clipboard in your hand. And all I want you to do is fill that card out and take it by either the Connect Center or the Care Corner. Here's why. We do life together. We want to pray with you. We want to give you a Bible and some resources. And we want to answer any questions that you have. If you need prayer, we'll pray with you. If you don't, we'll just answer any questions. We'll give you resources. We'll chat, pat you on the back and we're going to walk it out. We do life together at Radiate. Now, I'm going to ask it like this. If you're in the room and you go, my life is disjointed. Maybe it's in marriage. Maybe it's, I, I don't know. You know where it's at. 
and you're just ready for God to bring it together and breathe life into you again. And you are begging God because you're ready to be a part of that exceedingly great army. If that's you, right where you are, would you hold your hand up and say, pray with me that God would breathe life back into me and bring unity. Come on, all over this room. Join with a couple hundred that did it in the first service today. Yeah. Just keep it up. Just keep it up throughout the prayer. God, you see every hand. And here's what I know more than that. You know every heart. And so whatever needs to come together, whatever potential they've been staring at over a valley of dry bones, I begin to prophesy there's life. And that it's going to come back together. And whatever you speak to, whatever you need, whatever disunity, whatever chaos is taking place, that you need to bring things together so that unity happens in their life. God, I pray that right now, in this moment, that you begin to breathe new life into them. That you begin to give new life to them through your power, through your spirit. And that, God, that they would begin to be a part of that exceedingly great army. And that they would speak to the mountain. They would speak to the valley. They would speak to the dry bones and something would begin to shift in their life. God, we believe you. We honor you. Thank you for saving our life. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for being our Savior. And we give you all that we have. In your name we pray. In church, can we put it to get our hands together for life change in this room?